Ladies and gents, today here on A Voice to Be Reckoned With with Brandy Joy, we have Jack O'Hollering. Oh my goodness. And you should know him. All should know him. From Superman, King Kong, Dragnet. He used to be a great boxer and much more. And Jack is here with us today and he is a treat. So let's give him a welcoming ear and show him how we do here at A Voice to Be Reckoned With. Let's go. Jack talks about his time in boxing and how he transitioned into acting. One, two, my show of voice to be reckoned with. I'm your host, Freddie Joy, and I have Jack O'Hollering. I'm, I'm saying your last name correct, right? That's correct. Okay, I, I, I always like to make sure that, you know I mean, I always give respect to when I, with people's names because that's how we identify ourselves. So if I ever say anything wrong, you just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so honored to have you here today because, you know, I'm an 80s kid. You know, yesterday was my birthday. And Say so, it again? I didn't hear that. You do what? Uh, I said I'm happy to have you here today, you know, because I'm an 80s baby. So having you here, you know, I, I know, you know, the things that you worked on in the past and stuff. And yesterday was my birthday. So, you know. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, too. Thank you, same to you, too. Hope you had a happy holiday. Yeah, it's actually very good. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, I, I was uh, so excited when, you know, Steve, we were talking about you and um, and then you had mentioned that, you know, uh, you had your boxer, your um, ex-boxer. Correct. Yeah, and uh, Muhammad Ali, he was, you guys were very good friends. He and I were very good friends. We were signed to fight uh, three different times, actually almost four. Wow. It just never wow. happened. It was just one thing into another. In fact, when he fought Ken Norton the first time, he was supposed to fight me in San Diego. And that's, that's another story. Jack talks more about his boxing and the movie King Kong. It's more about Superman. How did you get into boxing, matter of fact? I was playing uh, football, and I... Um, was disenchanted with the coach they brought into Philadelphia and some friends of mine said, you know, and Ali had just won the title. And, um, and I said to somebody one day, I could beat that guy. And they said, that's a great idea. So they put me in the gym. And, uh, and I started to train in Philadelphia. And um, I couldn't box amateur because I was always already in a professional sport. And in those days, you couldn't do you couldn't do that. You could today, but you can't. You couldn't then. So I had no amateur fights. I just went right into the professional fights. Hmm. And I started in Philadelphia. Then I went up to Boston. I boxed out of Boston for a while. And then I uh, went to San Diego to fight Ken Norton and uh, won the town over. And I stayed there and won the California heavyweight title. I was at the end of my career. 
wow. a couple of years later, I was, uh, well, I had been, they've been asking me to do films from 1960s on, but I kept turning them down. And then 1975, they came to me to do Farewell, My Lovely with Robert Mitchum. And I said, I think it's time. But prior to that, Steve McQueen wanted me to do the Thomas Crown Affair with him in Boston. I turned it down. And then I turned out a huge movie, which I shouldn't have probably done, was The Great White Hope with James Earl Jones. Oh, wow. But I had just knocked out Manuel Ramos, who was number two in the world in L.A., so... Figured I was getting ready for a title shot. What I want to go to Spain for six months to shoot a movie for. I should have went. Mm. I'd have been better off. <laughs> but it is what it is. Yeah, we all learn a learning lesson, right? But it worked out okay. I mean, uh, Farewell, My Lovey was a very good movie. It did well and uh, just launched my career into doing. Then I did King Kong, and I then then the Superman movies came up and. Yeah, for sure. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, Superman and King Kong. I want to ask you about King Kong. <laughs> I know that, you know, it, it's um, obviously he wasn't, okay, the, the King Kong, the, the ape or whatever. Right? No, or King Kong is no, the, the ape, right? We did it in 76. Yeah. It was Jessica Lange's first movie. Wow. That had to be pretty cool, you know, with the, the with the effects and everything, right? And working with the, you no, know. No, it worked out really. It was it was a good film. It worked out well. I mean, it would have been it was a great script. They had a great cast. They just could have gotten a better director. But. Oh wow. <laughs> well, I, I was so it was pretty. I I I'm pretty fascinated by you know how how you know in the movies that on the screen the how big you know the um the animal is. Well, yeah, the amazing thing about the, the King Kong thing was uh, the, the stunt guy did the suit and, and did most of the scenes. The, the, the animal, the, the other parts of it were they used a head or they used an arm or they, the only time it was all together was at the very end of the movie, the last scene that they shot when they had the animal on stage. Um, he was in a cage and they were showing him off of the show. And, uh, that's the only time that they ever had the whole monkey together. Other than oh, that, wow. they used parts of it, the palm, the hand, head. They had a guy in the suit who did a tremendous job. He, um, you know, it, 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 was, it worked out very well. It was good. Yeah, yes, it did. It's, that's a, all the time, like, for classic right there. So That's so amazing. Um, wow. And then Superman, I know that, that right there just... Please tell. What was that like? <laughs> well, Superman one and two is you know Richard Donner was a was a brilliant director and uh, it was a it was a great idea and uh, that's why one and two are are still the best of the Superman movies because th there'll never be another Christopher Reeve. I mean, he just he fit the role perfectly. Donner got a performance out of him and was his first big movie that he ever did. And he was lucky that Richard Donner was the director. And he got a tremendous performance out of him. And, it, uh, and the three villains, it, the cast was great. It was a great cast, a great director, and, and a lot of good crew. You know, we, it was a, you know, when you do a picture like that, you get a feeling whether it's running or whether, you know, where you're at with it. It, um, it just yeah. seemed that it was going to be an amazing film, you know, and the fact that we did 
one and two together, we shot them both. So we were all over the place. Uh, uh, it just, um, it was good. You know, I, I enjoyed awesome. it a lot. I had a lot of fun doing it. I could imagine. That's pretty awesome. Great. And I would say you're a great actor. I mean, <laughs> I'm still honored to, to be able to, to speak with you and just, you know, get to know you. Well, the Superman character was, you know, was kind of a, and when they came to me to uh, ask me to do it, and they 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 said, "Do you have a problem playing uh, a mute guy?" And I said, "No, I actually embraced that because Jackie Gleason was a friend of mine, and he did a picture called Zigo that he won an Oscar for playing a deaf dumb mute." And uh, and and I said, "If I ever get an opportunity to do that, I would embrace it because it gives you a chance to use." body language and facial expressions and stuff and really what acting is about. And um, and then when you had three super villains and Turn Stamp was a vicious general and Sarah was a man eater. So somebody had to relate to the children because it was a big child audience. And so I played this very brutish guy uh, like a child learning how to work my eyes and learning how to do things. and. Um, and we were very lucky. It, it came off very well. Wow. Amazing, amazing. We talked about a movie he did in the past, Dragnet. Dragnet? <laughs> Dragnet with Dan Hanks and Tom, Tom uh, with uh, Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Was a, we had a lot of fun, though. It was a, it was a good movie. That's a, that's a good film. In fact, if you see Dragnet, you could watch it 50 times and you would never still get all the one-liners that Danny Ackroyd threw out in that thing. It was, it was, it was great. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can and then you said Tom Hanks. I Sorry. It was uh, Tom Hanks also, right? That was Tom Hanks' breakout movie, yeah. Yeah, what was that like with, working with Tom Hanks? Tom's a good guy. He's a real good guy. Very fine actor and a very nice person. Wow. Um, what would you say, what would be your most memorable moment or time um, during your, your acting career? I, I think doing Farewell My Lovely with Robert Mitchum, he and I became very close and he, he, uh, he taught me a lot about the industry and, uh, and walked me right through it. You know, and the film, the film again was cast extremely well and it was a, it's, a great, it's a great piece, it's a classic. So we had, I had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, and I, I've been very lucky in my career, you know, to work with Mitchum and to work with Jesse Lang and uh, Jeff Bridges and Charlie Gruden and, um, and to work with Omar Sharif and Jimmy Coburn and Marlon Brando. Uh, you know, it's um, I've just been in uh, Chuck Norris. I've been very fortunate. I've worked with some yeah. very, very good actors and, and we've done some good films. Yeah. It's awesome, so so awesome. Um, so, would you say do you do you have like a, a like a favorite uh, favorite director or favorite actor? Well, like I said, Mitchum and I were very close. Brando and I were close. Um, Jimmy Coburn was a good guy. Omar Sharif was a brilliant actor. He was he and I got on very well. He was a good he was a good guy. We did. A, picture called the Baltimore bullet but uh, I got you know 
working with with Mitchum was 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 a treat and a half. I mean, he was just he's just such a brilliant actor, and Brando yeah. the same way. Brando was you know Brando was a lot of fun, and and he got to know Brando off stage was was kind of cool because he was a he's really a good guy and he uh, he's so talented. I mean, when you when you work with people like Mitchum and Brando and 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 stuff like that, when they walk on the set, you can hear a pin drop. Hmm. Everybody's in all, man. You know, it's uh, and they're and they're you know they're just uh, they're very good. And when you work with Gene Hackman and and, and people, you know, um, you just it, there's a certain professionalism about them. It's just uh, you don't find all everywhere. That's cool. I appreciate the you know what you do, and then the, you know to be able to make those connections with with people. You know, besides just the work, you actually, you know, make a connection and it's, it's, it's more to it than that. And that's like something very, you know, something amazing that you, you know, you, all, you take away. From well, the, you know, you do the experience. Superman movies. We did that for three years, you know, and so you, you're working with people on a daily basis for that period of time, you know, and, and working with and Sarah Douglas is, is a tremendous actress and, and Terrence Stamp was a brilliant actor. Terrence Stamp was was the golden boy of England for years. Uh, when he was younger, and he, uh, I mean, he was such a good-looking guy, and he was—he's uh, he, made some incredible films, and he's—he's he's just a really fine actor. Um, wow! And and a lot of people that were in the Superman film, I mean, even the, you know, the, the, the small character roles that were done were, were some of the great English actors, and you know, we just had uh, Trevor Howard was in it, you know. Who, we had a lot of fun. It was just a, uh, one great actor on top of another. And then you had a great director in Richard Donner. I mean, he was just brilliant. And Tom Mankiewicz. And these guys lived, eat, and slept Superman. I mean, it just, they, <laughs> it just, uh, and we broke a lot of technology rules. We we did some things that uh, were never done before. And and it, we, I mean, we didn't use CGI. We shot VistaVision on VistaVision with a whole different principle that worked extremely well without wires and stuff and it was uh it was kind of cool it, it took long and tedious a lot of work but um it was well worth it awesome so what would you say okay so superman because superman legend of superman has been around so for such a long time what would what is it would you say that is untrue about because i've heard so many different versions of like superman and like him and the, the the kryptonite and from where he came from and you know what I mean and what well, exactly you have to understand he was the first American superhero mm -hmm. you know and uh, and and the, and the way we did one and two you you never saw him uh, kill anybody uh, like innocent people or anything he was always just after bad guys and stuff and. Uh, and it was the American way of life, and it was a whole much more wholesome uh, situation to where it is today. The, the ones that they make today are getting darker and darker and darker. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just don't. Uh, I, you know, I don't. I don't agree with it. So we're we're actually looking to put something together where, because of the technology that's around today and and the use of hologram and stuff, we could actually bring Christopher Reeve back and put him on the screen. Oh, oh that's freaking good, awesome! We have, a, we have a we have a pretty good storyline, so we're we're trying to work a deal out to to bring back the three villains in Superman, and, and uh, we have a, like I say, we have a really 
really dynamite storyline, and I think we might just be able to pull it off. Well, I, I really hope you do, because I would love to see that. So I hope that definitely works out. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, to bring Christopher back, people would go crazy. Oh, my yeah, God. they would. Yeah, they definitely would. I definitely would love to see that. So I, I'm sitting positive vibes your way. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to show these young people. Got to show with real Superman, right? That's <laughs> 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 so what it's about. They don't, they don't know they, <laughs> this, this new stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, that's not what was happening back when. <laughs> nah, it's kind of dark. The way they, they, they're doing them worse and worse all the time. I just, you know, they do. The, the technology is so much better than they could be doing, and it just—I um, don't know—they they need to get back to where we can take it back to where it was before. I think the fan base would would just love it, and it would be great for the film industry. And, and yeah. Warner Bros. could sure use a hit because they're getting killed by Marvel right now. So <laughs> yeah. we're just Absolutely. waiting for the the merger to to see it settle down. AT and T bought Warner Bros. And, when it settles all down and everything, then we're going to approach some people and see if we can't pull this off. Hey, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Listen closely. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And then you can listen to me, Brandy Joy, with a voice to be reckoned with. Jack and I talked about San Diego and what he loved about San Diego and where he lived. Oh, goodness. Well, I hope that definitely that, that comes back because, yeah, I'm an 80s baby, so I, I know. <laughs> are you from San Diego originally or are you from the East Coast? San Diego, born and raised. Born and raised, okay. Yeah, yeah. You told me you, you lived out here um, at some time, right? La Jolla. I lived in La Jolla, I lived in Del Mar, and I lived in, in Encinitas. Encinitas I quite liked, actually. Okay, wow, wow. I was going to ask you a part. So what was your, what, do you miss anything about San Diego? Oh, I love San Diego. I just, uh, you know, I'm up here in LA because I'm in the film industry still. And, you know, it's just a lot of commuting back and forth. If you're jumping down, I lived down and when I was doing the Superman movies and then Sanitas, I had a great place right on the cliff. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I haven't been very much. I like Encinitas. Encinitas is a very wealthy, quaint little town. Great food. My God, it's a terrific restaurant up there. Yeah, I bet. I haven't been very much, but I definitely wouldn't mind. <laughs> Especially when you say food. I'm like, yeah, where? I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Jack shared some of his childhood with me. So what what was it like for you as um, growing up as, as a child? Well, I had a, an interesting childhood. In fact, I've, I've written a book that uh, that's, that has done very well. And we're, we're getting ready to make a film. I've got three more books going to come out. And then we're going to do a series as well, a television series. And um, I had a, um, a very famous, famous father, because uh, I'm actually uh, Italian descent. My father was a man called Albert Anastasia who came into New York and... Uh, was partners with Charlie Luciano and 
Meyer Lansky and um, the old regime of the mafia. Wow. And Albert was, um, Albert ran a little company called Murder Incorporated. And he was, um, so I, I had a very interesting um, upbringing, so to speak. Wow. I was a, a love child that was born down in Philadelphia. And Albert lived up in Fort Lee, New Jersey. But he was uh, oh, wow. 1942. Oh, wow. 1942, they were looking for him everywhere. And he was in the Army in Indian Gap, Pennsylvania. So he was down in Philly every night is where he met my mother. He had a couple of businesses out in Hazeltown and stuff. And he, was a, he ran all the docks of America. So he was a very influential man. So I've, I've written a book telling uh, the true story of how if you went back to the beginning in, uh, in 1900, uh, the government, industry, unions, and organized crime were partners for a lot of years. They, you know, they, a lot of the money that was made illicitly, this is before they ever got into drug business, before, a lot of money was made illicitly was put back into the growth of a country, and no one ever really realized that. They they controlled the waterfronts, the construction companies. They gave jobs to people. Um, they owned some of the insurance companies, and they invested in Sears and Roebuck and General Electric and Westinghouse. And, and the money went into the country because in the beginning, their their whole deal was gambling and uh, loan sharking and extortion. And if you didn't have money, how could you pay them? So they made sure you went to work. <laughs> it, was a, it was a whole different uh, it was a whole different scenario. You know, neighborhoods were safer and, you know, there was no such thing as drive-by shootings and things like that. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. it was a whole different world. Yeah, it's it's really out of control. Like it's, now, it's just, it's so scary. When I was in Philadelphia, when I was a boy, we never locked our front doors. You know, people used to sleep out in their backyards in the summertime because it was so hot and stuff. And who had air conditioning? So they would right. put, up, they'd put up cots and stuff and they'd sleep in the backyard. Nobody ever bothered anybody. You know, and children oh. could play in the streets from like sun up to sundown. You know, and there was never yeah. a leave baby prams outside of your house. Nobody snatched children and stuff. I mean, you had a, you had a, a rare exception of, of something happening, but it was rare. Yeah. It was a whole different that people. You know, people, when I was young, I'm 76 years old, but when I was a young boy coming up, you know, the one thing that I think we lack in our society today is the word respect. Yeah. You know, people don't respect themselves. How can you respect anything else or tradition or anything that's around you? Exactly, exactly. We, uh, yeah. we were, I mean, the word respect was, was drummed into you as a child when I was a Yeah, kid. it was for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you respect it very much. So. You respect, but you learn how to respect yourself. So yeah. it's a whole yeah. different, you know, kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah. I I see a lack of it. I work at um with children, and you know, and I see it all the time. The way children act, talk to adults, let alone their own parents. And I just sit back and think, like, what happened? You know, I'll be my, my son. I, 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 he knows better. <laughs> but see, I was had yet to be taught that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I would have no, never, I, I would have never spoken to my mother the way I, I see these kids. I, 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 I would have got my head knocked off. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you know, I, you know like I, I remember when I and I was went to Catholic school in Philadelphia in my first eighth grades in, in, in grammar school, 
and you never, if you ever went home and said you got hit by a teacher, oh my God, you get hit at home twice as much. What did you do to get hit? <laughs> you must have done something wrong. You know, so you just kept your mouth shut. You know, said boo-hoo to nobody. Yeah. But schools were, you know, schools were, were, were a lot stricter and what that, what that was required, you know, to keep, to, to teach, teach people that they had to respect the people around them and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it was a lot less, uh, I mean, there was bullying, but a lot less of it than what's going on in, this, in our world today. I mean, they, yeah, they have yeah. people cyber-bullying people now. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just like really just hot. With, with It's just everywhere, everywhere you turn. And definitely, like you said, the cyber-bullying, you know? And it's, it's, oh, it's crazy, the effects it's yeah. taking. While every shelter pet is unique, some love a good game of fetch and others would rather snuggle on the couch together. However, there's one thing that they all have in common. They're all pure love. Right now, millions of pets across shelters and rescues across the country are waiting to be adopted. Did you know that only 44% of dogs and 47% of cats in American homes come from animals, shelters, and rescue groups? The unique qualities of each and every shelter pet add up to an incredible bond between every shelter pet and parent. I love pets. And I think they're just so giving and loving and just, they just show you the best, you know, of what love is. And this is all from a little animal. They come in all sizes, big, small, you know, furry, not furry. But like I said, love, love. If you're thinking about getting a pet this holiday season, make sure to visit the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, Maddie's Fund, and the Humane Society of United States. Please consider these animals need love and they need you and you need them. Thank you. And voice to be reckoned with, we support the animals and their safety and their love. Jack has a book coming out and it talks about all different types of truths. We, we've written a book and we're going to, we're telling the truth about a lot of things. And the first book of mine is uh, from my father's death to Kennedy's death, and I tell the truth about the Kennedy assassination. And um, wow. and we're going to tell the truth about a lot of things, you know. They just made this picture of the Irishman, which I think is a joke, because I knew Frank Sheeran well, and he never killed Hoffa, and he never killed Joe Gallo. Wow. He was from Philadelphia. I knew uh, Russell Buffalino, who was a good friend of my father's. I knew Russell well. He was from Western Pennsylvania. Joe Pesci played him pretty well, but, you know, how do you get Bobby De Niro, who's 5'8", to play Frank Sheeran was my size. He was six foot four. <laughs> so how do you get a little guy to, I mean, they had just you know, a whole job. I mean, and the things that they, Scorsese, Scorsese made, it was, it's an entertaining picture, okay? But uh, they took a liberty where there's a lot of questions that people have been asking answers for for a long time. Like, where's Hoffa? What happened here? What happened there? And he answered a lot of questions, but he didn't answer them truthfully. 
So it just, you know, it's kind of, uh, I, I sit back and I watch something like that and I just shake my head. I can't wait till we put what we're going to do, put it up on screen and tell the truth about some things because there are a lot of people still around that the audience that we'll grab is from 90 years old to one, you know, because grandfathers talk to sons and stories have been passed down inside the houses. There's a lot of things that people talk about amongst their family that they never would talk about on the street. Wow. About the way things were and how things were run and how things happened, you know? So when they see it up on the big screen, it's going to elate a lot of people and say, finally, they're telling the truth about this and telling the truth about that because they were there. Yeah. I remember there was a review on Amazon on my book, a guy, he's 90 years old from New York, and he said, what a blessing to finally read something where somebody's telling the truth about certain people and being able, and I could use all the names because I'm allowed. My father was who he was. Meyer Lansky raised me, and I, I mean, I knew all these people. So, yeah, the right to use, you know. So we we tell we use real names, and we're telling some true stories, and it's uh, that's it's amazing. Work out extremely well. Yeah. Hey, right. the truth. Family legacy. Name of the book. Yeah. Family legacy. It's quite good. Yeah, well, I definitely would would love to um, definitely read it and get to yeah. get to know. Get to know, you know, the truth. <laughs> you know, well, that's what's all about. I mean, the truth. Everybody tells their version of things, and it kind of yeah. makes me really laugh a lot. You know, I, I knew Jimmy Hoffa yeah. very well. He was uh, Jimmy Hoffa was a man's man. He would never, Jimmy Hoffa would never ask you to do what he couldn't do himself. That's what I like. Wow. Well, that's a that's a very um, commendable thing. You know, I mean, I I definitely look up to that for you to be able to, you know, to have your platform to tell, you know, to tell a true side of the story, you know, instead of everybody's made up version and you can, you know what I mean? And well, you have the, the guts the problem, to, you know, our society is, you know, it's the adage that never seems to go away. If you line 10 people up and you tell the first person something and he whispers it all the way down through the 10th person, by the time it gets down the line, it's an entirely different story. Yeah. Everybody yeah. adds their two cents to it. Mm-hmm. They have a story, a, a game they play in school. It's called telephone. <laughs> they, they do that. They tell, they start, they tell a story. They go all the way down to the end, and then you say, they tell the person, and then you go to the teacher, whoever, and then the, then they tell you what they heard and, and see how much it has changed from the beginning all the way, <laughs> you know, down to the end. It's kind of kind of funny yeah. a little bit. <laughs> it's just unbelievable how things. You know, everybody adds their two cents to something. Yep, stuff. yep. But, but I love that people tell versions of things that they were never there so when people tell me something that i was there and i saw what was going on how are you going to tell me a different version of it you know, right <laughs> you you read something in a book or something like that and you know there's so many books that are written 20 different ways about different things that happened in the country yeah exactly and, and, and the popularity of certain people who was this and who was that when it wasn't that way in actuality at all. Hollywood, like Al Capone, Al Capone wasn't the boss boss of Chicago. Hollywood made him that. Al Capone worked for a couple people back there, Tony Accardo and uh, people who really ran the city. Al Capone was just a flash, you know, like shooting people and stuff. And it was prohibition. <laughs> and, they, and Hollywood made a big deal out of him, and, you know. 
and they never talk about in, in 1931 they brought him when they put the when they put the commission together in Atlantic City Charlie Luciana and they brought Capone in and they took him aside and they said tomorrow you're going into a movie theater in Philadelphia with a gun on you and you're going to get locked up and he spent a, g a year in jail that no one ever talks about and then when he wow. came out of jail they were waiting for him in Chicago with handcuffs for IRS evasion. That was wow. their way of getting rid of him without killing him and making a martyr out of him. And he died as he had syphilis. When he went to prison, he was dying of syphilis anyway. When he died down in Florida, they had to let him out of prison because he was dying of syphilis. Oh, man. But no one ever tells the truth about that stuff. You understand? Oh, that's only there's, what they want people to know. There's a lot of stories that people just... You know, they, they, they listen to what they, you know, it's amazing. Wow. Well, I, I, I'm honored to have you here because if you, the, the show, my show is called, you know, A Voice to be Reckoned With. So if you horn in on that, the voice part means, means uh -huh. like a lot. You know what I mean? A voice to I be reckoned with. <laughs> I hear you quite well. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying <laughs> to put something out there to let people understand some truth before... There's a lot of people, friends of mine, that are in their 90s that want to tell us some truth before they go away, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Really, how things really were and how they really happened. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just yeah, a, yeah. Lot of, um, yep. a lot of. I'm a firm believer. You know, if stories, you, so. Yep. If you stand for nothing, I, I think it was uh, who, uh, you fall for anything. So I, I should totally, you know, commend what, what you're doing. And that's why I, I want my show to, you know, to. Stand, you know, to build, you know, I mean, off of, you know, I mean, truth yeah, well, and, and the right thing. People listening, go to www.familylegacythenovel.com. It's all right there. Most definitely, most definitely. That's the site. So they, and it's a great read. Well, it's going to be a great film. The film's going to be awesome. Most definitely, you must keep me posted, and we'd love to have you back on here to uh, to update us and just to, just to have you because now you're part of the, rec you know, I mean, the voice Anytime. we recommend. Yourself. Jack, he had a question for me. Oh boy. Probably. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you a question. Have you ever have you been to Bullies to eat? Have you ever go to Bullies? I've heard of it, but I haven't been to eat. You've never been to Bullies? No, I but I've heard of it before. I know, right? There's one right there in Mission Valley, right? right <laughs> yep. at, uh... <laughs> See, little, you, you got to come on down here and you got to take me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's that a shame, a, huh? I haven't there been. Were, there were three. Well, George Bullock's actually had three restaurants at one time, one in La Jolla, one in Del Mar, and one in Mission Valley. They, like, they, were, uh, it was a, they were great restaurants. They, were just, they still are. In fact, the kid that owns the one in Mission Valley his father worked for George Bullish. He wanted to take it over. Now the kid has it. Yeah. It's great food. Great and as you say it, though, I have to make up my mission to get there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Now I've been put on blast. <laughs> for real. Not that far from you, you know? Mission Valley is not that far from where you're at. <laughs> at all. It's really not. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of San Diego am I? <laughs> I'll tell you, girl. You know? You got to get around. <laughs> yeah, I do. I definitely do. I do. And thank you. That has changed. I mean, Chula Vista's grown huge, and my heaven, yeah, it's changed quite a bit. They, yeah, I lived up. I lived on Delmar Heights Road when there were only four houses on that street, 
Oh, really? And the 805 was just being built, and there was a bridge at Del Mar, Del Mar Avenue there, and you wouldn't want to cross it. There was nothing there but a gas station. Now there's God, houses, buildings, office buildings. <laughs> the whole 805 is just blown totally out. I mean, it's some, I remember when they first, I drove on that road when you weren't allowed to, I got stopped actually. I was driving down, I was going from my house to Bowie's, and, and there was an exit right there, Bowie's off of the, off the 805. And I, I was driving down, the guy said, Jack, what, what are you doing on this road? I said, well, I was just testing it out for you. <laughs> 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 before they had opened it up, the 805 just was a, that was a way before its time and what and much needed. It connected a lot of stuff, North County and down into yeah. right down to the border. Yeah, but wow, San Diego, it's uh, it's a grown, grown, grown place. I mean, I I remember San Diego downtown when it was just sailors and Marines, yeah. and military. They put that ballpark <laughs> in down there, boy, that just changed the whole downtown city. Yep, <laughs> sure did. Just blew it right yeah. out. I mean, all the My favorite part is All the clubs used to be up in North County, you know, La Jolla and Del Mar, Encinitas, and, you know, they had clubs all the way up the coastline there, Solana Beach. Oh, yeah. And it just, that's all changed now. Downtown, yeah, Boston into its own. Yeah, I remember my one constant is Seaford Village. My dad used to take us when we were little, little girls. So I started taking my son. He's twelve now. So that's just always been like my favorite thing about. That's actually my favorite thing about San Diego in general is Seaford Village. So I had a connection with it. To go where? To Seaford Village. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's my favorite part about yeah, San Diego. Sea World, all that stuff. I remember when they yeah. built all that. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Sea World. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that has some changed. Great beaches. Same great, there's some great beaches in San Diego. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a great area. I like San Diego yeah, quite is. a bit. Actually, just gotten very crowded in the last, last 15 yes. years. It's just gotten very, very, very crowded. Very crowded and very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you. But hey, it's, it's a beautiful place to be. You yeah, know, find something to do. It's the best, best temperature in the country is right there in San Diego. They have yeah, the, the best sure. mean temperature all the time. You go to the beach on Christmas. Away. I lived on the water, <laughs> and if I just went over the mountain into, into El Cajon, it's like 20 degrees difference temperature <laughs> Wow. You know, try that sometime. You go from one coast, just go over 76, go over, over the mountain into El Cajon and see the difference in temperature, how hot it is. Yeah. Yeah, as I heard, I have a few friends that live in El Cajon. And, and uh, yeah. It's a little warm out there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want no parts of it. I don't do well in the heat, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I really don't. It's not my friend. <laughs> I hear you. Wow, I, I appreciate you definitely sharing your, some of your story with, with me. I, I asked before we before you go. I just wanted to say, um, you know, I know you uh, mentioned um, Archie uh, Archie Moore. Archie Archie was Archie was such a nice man. He was a uh, and what a great fighter. I mean, guy could fight. Boy, he was just yeah. he, he he used to swap war stories with me. He was he'd come up and watch me train, and I'd go down and he had the he had that camp down there for kids. 
Yeah, yeah. Very giving, very giving man. He was a very giving individual. He was a very, very nice man. Yeah, I have the honor of knowing his son, Billy Moore. And he actually, he has that boxing, um, the, the youth center. It's called ABC Youth Center. And he yeah. has the boxing. And my, um, he still works with the kids. And my son is a, actually one of the representatives you know, as senators as, uh, you know, part of the, the foundation he's built with the kids. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah, the you know, ABC Youth Center, it was called Any Boy Can. That was what Archie mm -hmm. named it when he, when he opened uh -huh. it up originally. Any Boy Can. Any Boy Can make it. You know? And he took yeah. a lot of kids off the street and helped them. He was really quite, quite good at that. He was, he was just a yeah. nice man. He was a very, very, nice, very gentle individual. A very, yeah. very serene person. I liked Archie a yeah. lot. Yeah, I, I could tell. I didn't never get to meet him, but I, I could tell through, you know, his son that the legacy he left behind. I could tell that he was, you know, and what he tells us about him, that he's a really awesome guy. You know, and I look up to that to how you guys uh, use your platform for the great you, you to help others. You know, yeah, and that's what I, I definitely want to do. You know, with my show and then with the bullying, you know, project. It's just I just want to use it just to change. I had a friend tell me one day, we can't change the world, but we can sure put a dent in it. <laughs> and I liked that. I said, yeah. That's, that's wanna... the best you can do. You can only, you know, no one person can change anything, but you can attribute. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to do. Okay. So, yeah. But thank you. Thank you for your time. And, and, um, I'm just, you know, you, you, you made my day <laughs> yesterday, uh, my birthday, and it wasn't that great. I'm not even going to lie. So today made up for that. And just thank you so much. And you're welcome here pleasure. anytime. Well, if I'm ever down San Diego, we'll have to take you to Bullies for lunch one day. For sure. For sure. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so then I can really say, hey, I am from San Diego. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, and my you have a great day, and I'll, great I guess day. We'll, Happy we'll New Year to you. Too. You too. Thank you. Okay. Buzz driving is drunk driving, and if you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Did you know over 10,000 people lost their lives due to impaired driving fatalities in 2017? Enjoy a night out and find yourself oversharing or taking too many selfies? If the answer is yes, then you're noticing your buzz warning signs. Buzz warning signs include over texting, taking too many selfies, oversharing, chugging water to sober up, turning the music down to focus, chewing gum, popping mints, eating snacks to soak up the alcohol, drinking coffee to sober up, splashing water on your face, doing jump jacks, Wow, I mean, all these things to do to sober up to drive, but hey, how about you just don't drive? <laughs> when you spot your buzzed warning sign, call a cab, car, or friend when it's time to go home. Just don't drive home. A message brought to you by NHTSA, NHTSA and the Ad Council. Thank you, and voice to be reckoned with. We support the no drinking and driving. Senseless, careless, and just wrong.
I definitely could say here today on the show, I really enjoyed my time getting to know Jack O'Halloran. Jack, you were awesome in your retreat, and I learned so much from you, and I can't wait to have you back here so you can update us on what's to come and what's going on. I can't wait to read your book and see the movie, and um, <laughs> wow, you took me back to my childhood, and for that, I say thank you, and that was my birthday present. <laughs> so we here at A Voice to Be Reckoned With have accepted you and initiated you in as family of the show. So always feel free and welcome to come back here and voice your voice on Voice to Be Reckoned With. Thank you, Jack.